Gigi, you doing all right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Tom Welling tied up in my basement, so how bad can it be? <laughs> So that's where he went. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was about to say, he's not going to miss any engagements or anything. Uh, unless they make a cheaper by the dozen three. No, he's... <laughs> yeah. Four nerds in their 30s, each with family and job responsibilities. Time is limited, money is limited, maturity is setting in. But there's always time for a little lunch. Pull up a chair and open up your brown paper bag. Nerd Lunch is beginning now. All right, welcome back to the Nerd Lunch podcast. This is episode 25. We have a die cut cover tonight. My name is Carlin Trammell. I'm going to be your host this week, and I'm drinking a giant cup of peach mellow yellow mixed with vanilla Sprite from a Coca-Cola freestyle machine. Now let's see what other Kryptonian criminals we have in the Phantom Zone. First up, from the Nerd Lunch podcast, my uh, good friend from uh, from the from old old time is Jeej. Hello, Jeej. Good morning, CT. Good morning, fellows. In honor of our guest tonight, I am podcasting under the influence. I have a nice tumbler of Carolan's Irish Cream here in front of me. Carolan's Irish Cream. When you're too cheap to buy Bailey's and still want to drink like a sissy, Carolan's. <laughs> Nice, nice. Uh, also, uh, on the podcast, per usual, we have, uh, from the Cavalcade of Awesome at thecavalcadeofawesome.net, Paxton Holly. What up, guys? Also, in honor of our guest, I wanted to do tonight's intro for myself as Michael Downs of the Atomic Geeks. <clears throat> what up, fuckers? This is Pax sitting in my den in western Jayville, Florida. Tonight, I'm drinking a giant pickle jar of beer I call the Triple H. I brewed it right here in my guest bathroom. Now, it's honestly not quite that good, but I brewed five kegs of it, and the wife is begging me to get it out of the house. So, uh, let's do this podcast thing. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. (laughs) If it's the Triple H, don't you have to, like, spray it all over yourself when you start (laughs) podcasting? (laughs) Yeah, right. And I was going to say, yeah, I call it Triple H, but it means nothing. I just like the name. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask what, what it stood for. But... <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> uh, so as we've alluded to, um, I think, I think we've alluded to it. We have joining us in the fourth chair uh, in this episode. I'm very excited that he is able to do it. It is one of the Atomic Geeks uh, from theatomicgeeks.com and the Atomic Geeks podcast, Mr. Michael DiGiovanni. Hello, Michael. Hey, 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 fellas. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And this is funny. I appreciate the you guys uh, bringing out the booze references. But because I'm on the Nerd Lunch podcast, I'm drinking me a soda pop. I'm drinking <laughs> Diet Coke. So the world, this is like worlds are reversed. <laughs> It's like that uh, that old Christmas story. It's like the gift of the magi. The gift of the magi. Exactly. That's what. We, that, that's amazing that we pulled that off. <laughs> I figured we'd go right for the Bizarro reference on this episode, but I've been trying to work a gift of the magi reference into a podcast for about three years. <laughs> done. I'm glad and we done. can give you a place to do that. Then <laughs> <laughs> it's about time. Moving on to our nerd to-dos. <laughs> hey, that's, that's a to-do that's done. There we yeah. go. Well, speaking of three years, uh, Dijo, you have been 
doing the Atomic Geeks podcast for, what, just about three years, right? I mean, the week that this episode we're recording right now goes up is the same week that your 150th episode goes up, and that's essentially three years. That's crazy. It is. Uh, if you actually do the math, it's not exactly three years, but we've taken a couple weeks off here and there when a few of us fell ill, and it's a story we don't like to talk about. But uh, yeah, three years we've been doing that show, um, and it's, uh, I can tell you, also episode 150 that's out right now, uh, while you're listening to this, it's a, it's a pretty good one. Uh, that's uh, can you can you give us any hints about what uh, what goes on in 150 or or do we just have to find out for ourselves? Well, episode 150, we're actually doing the uh, Geek Awards. This is something that uh, some of our listeners have wanted us to do, and this is where we're awarding uh, stuff for TV and film throughout all time, and they're the type of uh, categories that you just could never get anywhere else. And we have some, some of our listeners suggested uh, topics, and uh, we use about five of those. So it's an award show format, and it's uh, pretty fun. Sounds, mm-hmm. sounds good. So can you, uh, some of our listeners um, of this podcast might not listen to the Atomic Geeks, and I don't know what? why that would be the case, <laughs> but uh, for those who don't listen to your show, can you, can you tell us a little bit about the premise of it. When you said that, I actually just tipped over my podcasting desk <laughs> in anger. Uh, you did a spit take of your Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the Atomic Geeks very uh, quickly is pretty much, it's a type of show that captures those conversations that guys have while sitting around and drinking beer. And, and instead of arguing about sports, it's we're arguing about who was the worst actor that played Batman and such. Uh, it's, it's myself and three other guys, and we all went to college together. We're like lifelong friends, um, it seems. And we, we've had these conversations uh, amongst beers, and we thought, what if we record these and put them on the internet? Maybe four or five people will listen to us. And as it turns out, it's been just about four or five people, right? Yeah, after three years, we finally got five. <laughs> that's, that's great. Congratulations for that star. <laughs> and, and three of the five are on this show. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for that, gang. Um, so what, what I like about uh, – one of the things I like about your show and, and what I liked about it right off the bat was that you guys rotate hosts. And so it's not um, – and there's a lot of podcasts I've heard, including this one, where – uh, there's a there's a regular host, and uh, and so if you if you don't like the regular host, in this case, uh, people don't like me. There, that's that's kind of too bad. I mean, only you know, Gigi and Pax have hosted before, but those are rarities. But on your show, if uh, people don't like you, there are three other guys to listen to, right? Yeah, like it's a we do a rotating uh, hosting duties. So if you don't like me too much, I only show up hosting once every four weeks, approximately. So uh, there you go, but. Uh, and but it's geeky stuff. We cover TVs and movies, and you know what would we do if we found a time machine, and what kind of superpowers would we want, and we redo movies that are really bad, and all sorts of fun junk like that. Redo movies that are really bad. That's one of your franchise topics as well, correct? You did have... you just did you just use air quotes, CT? <laughs> I I might be using air quotes. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, before we do move on to, uh, to that segue there, did, I did want to chime in and let, uh, Jeej or Pax, uh, ask any questions if they had any. Do you guys have anything? I do. Um, my, 
you get like you guys said, you have the rotate the rotating hosting. I always wondered, does the host unilaterally pick the subject for their week, or do you guys pick them and then the host has to do the one that everyone picked? No, it's the host usually gets the call on uh, the topic, and in, and obviously if you go through our archive, you start to see that we each have kind of a, a set of styles, like uh, our Christian Nielsen, and I, who I believe is his voice has been heard on your show once, um, and maybe a cameo. His tend to be the really out there, crazy town type shows, and uh, I, I'm more generally the movie guy, and then Mike Downs tends to be the unplanned sort of crazy uh angry episodes uh, and blooms is generally involve sex so uh <laughs> that's pretty much our shows in a nutshell that is the four major food groups right there i think <laughs> i had a question as well I and mean, we can finish this offline but you know Mike, could you get me uh, Mark Dury's autograph? Do you think that's uh, something that you could arrange? Let me see. I'll talk to his people and okay. see if it's possible. Yes. Great. Looking forward to that. I'll tweet you. <laughs> do you follow Jeej? Because Jeej doesn't have that many followers. So I don't, I, I'd be surprised I, I, if you do. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I can't even remember, but you know what, Jeej? I'll give you a pity follow right after we, done, we finish recording. Hey. Okay. They're all, all good, yes. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> exactly. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I follow GH. I have to check that. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to jump on a segue now that it's way far away. <laughs> uh, so you better call it back. Talking about the uh, franchise topic of movie redos, and uh, so I'm going to use that to kind of segue into our main topic for this episode. And we're going to uh, steal sort of one of the Atomic Geeks uh, franchise topics, and let me just sort of set the stage for that. Premiering on the WB Network, which is no longer around, uh, now it's the CW, I think, in uh, 2001, Smallville told the story of a young Clark Kent who was still growing up and learning how to use his newly developed powers. This, uh, this show took place in the town of Smallville, thus the name. Clark was still in high school for the first few seasons of the show, had not become Superman yet, nor had he become Superboy. In fact, one of the rules, and here I am using air quotes, uh, about the show was that there would be no tights and no flights. Along the way, uh, we uh, met the Kents, his, uh, Clark's parents, adopted parents, Lionel Lang, Pete Ross, and even a young Lex Luthor, who started out as a friend of Clark's. The show went on to last 10 seasons. I'm still baffled a little bit by that. It became one of the longest-running sci-fi superhero genre shows, probably the longest comic book-inspired show to last ever. In spite of its success, though, many find fault with it creatively. Comic book fans in particular, we often decry this show and its deviations from the source material. So uh, we are not only stealing one of the Atomic Geeks themselves, but we are going to steal the franchise topic of It's a Redo, but we're going to put our own little spin on it, and instead of redoing a movie, we are going to redo a television show, and that is Smallville. So we're going to go back to the beginning of Smallville and look at things we can do to tweak it, make suggestions on how it could be redone, and hopefully those suggestions we make would improve the show. So does this make sense, what we are doing, gentlemen? Jeej, I have, feel like I have to ask you. Do you know what we're doing? <laughs> so we're not redoing The Borrowers. <laughs> They're not the same? No, we're not redoing that one. 
because if you had a bunch of small people, you could name the show Smallville instead of The Borrowers. You know? <laughs> that would be one way to redo that show. You just, yeah. read, you just redid that show. So, so whenever you host next, we can, we can do that. Okay. All right. I think our work is done here, gentlemen. <laughs> Nerd to dudes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's start off by looking at the basic premise for the show. So that's, that is that we're going to look at the high school years of Clark Kent set in Smallville and uh, telling tales uh, from that era. But we'll, we can expand that even and look at some of the things that, that they also did with, um, with that. And, and Pax, you were a big watcher of Smallville, uh, especially early on. Can you recall, you know, a couple of things that were, that were kind of big deals like the Krypton or Kryptonian freaks of the weeks or anything like that, that, that you kind of want to help us set the stage for the premise yeah, the. I mean, I remember when this was coming on, and I actually had received an advanced copy of the pilot a couple months before it came out um, from my friend Jason, who was on the show back in episode fourteen, and um, so I've watched it even before it started airing, and I was kind of excited about it. This was before the the big the WB had its reputation for pretty people and shallow shows, and uh, and I mean, I don't know, I. The the premise is, I mean, they it's weird because in the beginning they really tried to kind of keep it with the comics, like eventually that the show would tie into the comic continuity. So they really they tried to use some of the uh, some of the iconography iconography there, and then but then they they diverged whenever it felt necessary, and and uh, the especially the first season, like you said, the freaks of the week was a uh, was a big um, bemoan from fans, but. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that. I mean, but yeah, the that that's mainly what I remember, especially from the first couple seasons. Was uh, just there were a couple cool changes in premise that I liked and stuff like that. And I'm sure you guys have opinions on that too. All right, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so that basic premise of uh, young Clark Kent high school kryptonite has uh, has been found all over Smallville creates uh, different mutations in people, giving them powers and such. Um, that premise alone, do we feel like that's a pretty good premise for the show? Uh, DJ, let's start with you. Um, I'm going to say no. That, that I, when I remembered that this came out and I was like, all right, a, a show about Clark Kent growing up in Smallville and, a, you know, formative years and eventually becoming, which I thought, Superboy, I was all down for. That whole kryptonite uh I don't know, meteorite pieces that uh, started infecting everybody. It was clear that the WB was uh, drawing influence from slightly like Dawson's Creek, but the show really for the first season, or it was even for the first couple seasons, because I think they did that kryptonite bit for at least a season or two. It was, the show was pretty much like Clarky the kryptonite slayer, you know, (laughs) like it, it, it was like that, Monster of the Week, it always was that infected kryptonite people. And that, to me, was lame. I think if I, as far as redo, my a suggestion for me would be get rid of that. This is, I understand it's a television world, but it's still the DC universe. There's enough threats that a young Clark developing his powers could deal with that don't have to be these quote unquote, you know, fr- crypto freaks. Yeah, there was definitely, uh, I like your analogy to uh, Clarky the Vampire Slayer, because the kryptonite <laughs> aspect definitely seemed like that show's version of the Hellmouth. 
Yeah. Where here's our here's our reason why this stuff happens in this town, and uh, and that gives cause for, or I guess I guess no one really thinks anything of it anymore. You know, like no one thinks of vampires in Sunnydale, just as no one really thinks about the fact that there's all this craziness going on in Smallville. But it's but I mean it's a. DC Universe, Smallville. I mean, come on. We, we, the guy, we're, we know who Clark Kent is. We know that he's going to be Superman. It's not that much of a stretch that super-powered baddies or villains and criminal types would be running amok. We don't really need a reason to have to, uh, to understand who his foil is going to be. That's the thing is with me. It's like if, if you're going to do a story about Superman, go for it. Let there be criminals. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to Jeej. Jeej, did, what are your thoughts on that basic premise and, and even that kryptonite freak sort of scenario? So just generally the the Smallville setting, I'm fine with that and sort of seeing Clark uh, mature into Superman, I think, is a decent enough premise, especially coming off the heels of something like Lois and Clark, where you know you've already had Superman proper on on TV in the recent past when this show came on. Um, but yeah, I agree on the meteorite thing. I don't, I don't think it was that interesting or, or necessarily effective in sort of developing the character, but to Dijo's point, you know, yeah, there are all these people in the DC universe, but really what are your plot devices then for getting them into Smallville? Like why does Brainiac come to Smallville or, or some other villain? I think those things start to look contrived potentially as well. If you've got, you know, the, the nexus of evil somehow ends up in Smallville for Clark to fight uh, (laughs) over the years. (laughs) But I mean, okay, that I get, but this is, I mean, Superboy, they published a comic about him for a long, long time. I mean, so he's not fighting Brainiac there. You can dream up some other teenage base and other criminals to populate this area. Like I, I, I don't, I know we don't need the, uh, I, I don't even know, like Metallo to show up, but I mean the, you could have found a creative way to just have there be other air quotes, baddies there for him. And I agree, DJ, I think you hit the crux of the situation there and that that first season, they didn't want to bring in a bunch of super baddies. So they kind of, leaned on the kryptonite as a crutch and I didn't have a problem with the kryptonite freak of the week um, the format itself I didn't have a problem with I had a problem with the ways they did not creatively use the kryptonite baddies like they had like football players inhaling kryptonite asthma inhalers or something I mean it was just ridiculous stuff that like was completely dumb hey and man <laughs> drugs are a real problem in our society today Pat and Holly it is it is but uh, I mean, that, I mean, that was my problem with it. Is they did not, like you said, they they did not creatively use what they had to bring in interesting villains. And I think they kind of had to do that also because they're still trying to build. They were trying to build the foundation and bring in, you know, Lex and create. Because I like the idea of Clark and Fre- Clark and Lex in the beginning being friends and trying to build that and also bring in villains since Lex isn't going to be the villain. So, I mean, that was a tough thing for them to do but they didn't i agree they didn't do the i didn't like the the way they did it i didn't like and you know what though i mean he's this is early formative time for clark it doesn't all have to be guys 
holding hostage. I mean, you could have showed off his ability to use his powers in other methods. I mean, it could have been a train being derailed or, you know, whatever the case may be, right, that he has to step up. We could evolve to eventually going to bat uh, to criminals. But I just I, I just I don't know. The monster thing is dumb. I, you know, I, I'm gonna, I haven't really chimed in yet. I, I, I would also, I, I also saw the potential of the Kryptonite Freak of the Week, and it gave um, a means to sort of, like Jeed was saying, here's an, here's a reason why there are super powered characters in Smallville. But, I, but DJ, you're completely right. Like, it didn't have to be perpetual, uh, super powered villains that showed up every week. And I think that, um, that maybe, and I don't know if we'll quite get into this this particular aspect but i think that maybe clark started out almost too powerful and needed to be depowered and be given some simpler um sort of foils and plot lines and things that could have even been based more around high school like just living in high school some stuff that like calling back to buffy that buffy did much better than smallville ever did of just what's it like to be um to be this kind of good-natured person in this world, in this high school, uh, in this day and age, and I think that that um, that was a real missed opportunity. And then in the midst of that, you know, bank robberies or, or whatever, you know, just simple things could have played a part as well, and uh, and still been a challenge for a a young, still maturing Clark Kent. And you're right, and and to a point, they did power him down because uh, he didn't have the dearth of powers in the very first season. I mean, he didn't get heat vision until season two and an X-ray I think came in at the end of season one or something. So, I mean, I liked how they step laddered his powers in and, and didn't start off with the flying. And I mean, he had the, I think he had speed and strength in the very beginning and then uh, brought everything in, in phases, which I thought was a pretty good idea. So, I mean, they did that to a point, but again, they didn't creatively use uh, that idea as well. So, all right, so I think we're all kind of uh, we're all kind of agreeing that there might have been some potential for kryptonite uh, inspired powers, perhaps, but but at the very least, it was used too often and not executed very well, and and probably should have been avoided as a whole. Dip into some existing here uh, exist, existing threats and villains from the DCU, and uh, <clears throat> we do like the idea of a young Clark Kent growing up, maturing the, the setting. Um, uh, one quick other question about the premise is that is one of the phrases this no flights no tights uh, thing. Do we feel like that um, sort of boxed them in to um, or really limited them on what they could do in the show? Um, Geez, what do you, what do you think? Um, I think so, but I honestly I see where they're coming from. There, they were trying to give a different take. And my fear would be without that rule in place, you would have gotten something a lot more like Birds of Prey, which would not have been an improvement. <laughs> um, so I'd be willing to keep that. I think within the bounds of that, you could write something better. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to agree, G. Like, I think, I think if he would have come right out of the gates and he's rocking full Superboy gear here, it would have been pretty bad it would have been like we we would have been lois and clark and maybe the flash tv series territory right away they were trying to do a bit of a different interpretation of it i think the he could have been clark high school clark uh figuring out his powers adapting to them hiding them if you will and 
you you could have avoided that. But as the show went on, it almost got a little contradictory to that and schizophrenic in a way that all these suits and costumes started showing up and Clark just couldn't take off that red jacket. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up, CT, because this is my one big pet peeve. I agree in the first three or four seasons with the no tights, no flights. Um, When you you got into like season seven, eight, nine, um, which I've been back back watching, they they were slavishly devoted to the character of Clark for that. Everyone else could have the most ridiculous outfit, (laughs) the, the, the stupidest superpower, can fly all over the place. It didn't matter as long as Clark didn't and he was stuck in the Matrix looking blur outfit. And I that drove me up the wall. So and even in the finale, they still stuck to it and barely showed him in the suit. They didn't you didn't get the money shot of Clark in the suit. And it drove me nuts that they stuck to that all the way to the end. Do you ever think that they made at a certain point a commitment where they said the end game to this series is we'll finally show him in the suit? I think it feels like they did that. I mean, they they didn't to your point, Pax, they didn't really give us that uh, money shot. But it feels like they made that call and went, that's our thing. Like, we're not going to show him in the suit now till whenever we pull the plug on this, which I think is a fault. I think he should have grown into the, I'll use Superboy example again, uh, eventually getting to the costume and uh, like maturing a bit. And it should have happened midway through the series. Well, I mean, this may be sort of another thing to sort of talk about is, is did the show go on too long or... Um, you know, in the in this in the sense of the premise, you know, we're talking about early Smallville, uh, you know, young Clark Kent growing up, high school. That's a different show, you know, than what happens in season five and on when he goes off to college. He goes to Metropolis. He starts getting a job at the Daily Planet. All these things start happening to him. That you know, once the premise of the show changes from what it was in the first four years, then are you know, is that no flights, no tights rule even? Uh, applicable anymore and um you know so did did either the show go on too long or should it should they have said all right you know the show has been much more successful than we ever thought it would be so let's you know let's really examine our premise and examine our rules and and modify them as needed uh gee what do you think I would say yes. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the later seasons. I'm I'm at a disadvantage here, but no, I don't uh, think you are. <laughs> well, okay. if Mike Downs were here, he would tell me that I'm <laughs> exactly. You got the wrong Michael on the show. <laughs> but I think you need to adapt, um, especially that high school to college transition is almost the death knell for like any show that tries to do that. Even a show that's very good, like Buffy, and I know DJ's disappointed in me for saying this, but uh, I did not care for it after they made the transition to college. I don't think that went as well as it could have. And so if you're going to do that, you really need to commit to some changes. I don't think you can try and carry forth the same stuff from a high school set show. No, you're not wrong. And Buffy is a great example. And I think even Veronica Mars, which I think was able to kind of, it was still a good, you know, that last season was still good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was as solid as the the first two seasons. And there, there is something about that transition that saved by the bell. Saved I mean, by the bell by the is bell. a great yeah. example. <laughs> CT's favorites. Yeah. <laughs> 90210. God, man, like you're, oh, you're, you're this is so that's such an interesting insight that that is a hard thing to do when you when you box yourself into setting a show in 
high school because then you you every season becomes a year of school. It just has to be like for some reason, like they just won't extend it. Like, Hey, you know what? You're in grade nine for four years. Like, uh, so they like then that, that move, I mean, and I don't, there's very few shows that have ever been able to do that. Well, like I can't almost think of one really Buffy, maybe, I mean, and it's not that it was perfect, but yeah, Buffy, maybe because, God knows all the other ones that at Dawson's Creek, all those yeah. shows, it was terrible, like that transition. Lost when they went off to college. <laughs> they should have never taken that plane to college. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the idea of like American television just milking stuff way too long is a, is a whole broader discussion. I mean, the 10 years for one show, good or bad, I just, I think, I think that's way too long, but... Um, but yes, um, let's let's go ahead and then move on from the premise and let's start looking at the characters and and uh, let's first start looking at the characters and then we will look at the actors. So separate uh, characters from actors momentarily. Um, obviously, since the show uh, is about Clark Kent, we're going to keep Clark Kent, I would assume. Um, but I would say anyone else would be uh, up up for fair game. Um, Lana Lang, do we think that she should stay on the show? Is she worth keeping? Just anybody chime in. Yes. I think you need Lana. I think that is, I mean, if we don't have to adhere so much to comic continuity because you know what? I get it. I think the rest of you guys get it. It's a TV show. It's going to, the narrative is going to flow and grow in a, in a different way than comic books. But Lana is important to Smallville continuity, and she's having a high school sweetheart was necessary for the show. Agreed. Yeah, I, I agree with Gijo. I, Gijo, I would have, uh, I, I initially would have said, I mean, she's one of the least interesting characters in the first couple seasons. For me, I preferred Chloe, but she needs to be there for the development of the characters. Okay, so we'll keep Lana. Uh, Pete Ross. Pax? I could go either way on him. He really didn't have a lot to do. I mean, he left the show. Um, I, I like the idea that he found out about Clark, but really, uh, honestly, I don't. I really don't see a reason for him there. Okay. Jeej, uh, Pete Ross, do you see a reason to keep him? I don't care for that particular character. I can see the need for sort of a, a guy buddy for Clark, but I don't think Pete was executed that well. No, you're right. They always have to they got to create a gang, eh? Like you always got to have a like a bunch of friends gang. So like he had to have a one of his buddy like a guy buddy as Jig said. Like he, I mean, but honestly, I think they were aware that this character wasn't working and why he got the boot. I, he he wasn't executed properly and yeah, I think you could lose him. So we could lose Pete or we could we could keep him and po- po- possibly tweak him a little bit. So um I won't I won't keep him for now. Um, Chloe? Jeej? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, it would depend on what we were going to do with the Pete character, but I think, you know, if the role is similar for him, then having sort of more of the, the confidant in Chloe, I think, has value as well as a character. I, I will. I, I know she's a fan favorite. I never liked her. I don't know why. I just <laughs> never liked her. She's too I, spunky uh, for you, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, like, I love Veronica Mars. I mean, 
<laughs> I, I like her. I mean, yeah, and she, yeah, she's very much like Veronica Mars. And despite what the creators say, um, I think she's completely a Lois Lane uh, transplant. Um, you know, the spunky reporter for the newspaper. Um, I enjoy. I liked her. I liked her character, and um, I, I think she was definitely needed there, if not for anything, but to have Clark, Chloe, and Lana in like a little triangle. All right, D. Joe. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm picking up what you guys are throwing down here. Like the, I think it's hard for me because I'm it's I can't separate the actress from the character, so I'm trying very hard to do that because I didn't like her, but I think the character is necessary at to the show. I think the 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 tr- the love triangle. I think his confidant, all the stuff that you guys said, sh- she should probably stay. I think she has potential of playing a big role in the overall story that she never played. And I think was always sort of hinted at or, or, or people were always thinking might happen. And and that is that she could be the person who dies that inspires Clark to go on and, and finally, you know, give in to being the hero he was meant to be, you know, that if that was a role for her to fill, I think I could see that um, possibly being a reason to keep her, but or even have her develop because as she became later, she was much better. And I thought maybe if they developed her earlier, where she found out about Clark earlier, and she became his confidant instead of having a Pete Ross, and she was the buddy. Um, I thought that would have worked if they would have brought that in earlier because they kind of worked a little bit of that later once they went to Metropolis. Yeah, that's true. She was kind of the uh, the oracle or something of the group or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, Jonathan and Martha Kent. Uh, do we have any objections to keeping them? You kind of need them. Yeah. The, yeah. The Kents. No, we should kill one of them, and then Clark can channel his inner rage to become Batman. <laughs> well, and I vote for John, John Schneider to die. <laughs> and that eventually happened on the show. Just, I mean, that, yeah. But that wasn't. That was for. Uh, that was what season five or six or something that finally happened. Um, and then the uh, and then Whitney, who was the jock boyfriend of Lana early on in the uh, first season. But he only lasted a season, I think. Yeah. Um, we all can't agreement. Say I even, drop I can't him. even say I remember him. Actually, <laughs> yeah, irrelevant. I mean, he's like Flash Thompson. I mean, he's there for one specific reason for Clark to overcome him. So I mean, you know, whatever. Well, I think it depends on what you're going to do with those first few seasons, though. So if you're going to make this more uh, high school, you know, Degrassi with superpowers, then um, you could have more of a role for the school bully or the jocks or whoever, um, you know, as it is, they kind of pale to the, the Kryptonian freaks of the week that show up and there's really not much purpose for the rest of the high school gang. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. So I think yeah, a bully type character or a high school foil, a flash Thompson could be necessary. Actually, could, I could I, be necessary. If they yeah, played I, it up a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of need it, even though it's such a trope. I mean, you kind of, you do need that character. There's got to be a guy that Clark is like, oh, shaking his fist at, you know, like the, and you're, you're right. If, I, I think we're all voting for, we need to focus this more on Clark's formative years, and that's obviously going to be high school. So if, the, if, if it's fleshed out better, I think you need that archetype character. Okay, well, and then one, just one other character to mention, um, Finally, uh, Lex Luthor, it was, should should he have been introduced this early in the series or, or at all? 
PAX. Uh, yeah, I had mentioned earlier, I, I wanted to see how it worked when it came on, and I, I liked the idea of what they were trying to do was first make them kind of friends, maybe like rivals at first, begrudgingly friends, and then eventually Clark gets betrayed by him or something happens, and I liked that idea. So I liked what they did with it. Um, I, I don't know. They, they brought a lot more drama in it than I thought was necessary, but um, I, I liked it. Yeah. Um, DJ? I, I agree with Pax totally. I think it is – it's the spine of the show, really, that that Lex-Clark uh, relationship and the eventual uh, deterioration of it. I think it, I think that's the – it's really the meat of it. I mean I think, they, I think you need that. I think Lex has to be there in Smallville. I think uh, you, you almost – the show would suffer if he wasn't. Jeej? My gut reaction would be to bring him in later, but I totally agree with what Dejo is saying. The the show as it existed needed that interaction between Clark and Lex. You know, for me, when I first saw that they were doing that, like I was trying to wrap my head around the continuity of like, okay, where the heck is Metropolis, and why would Lex Luthor show up in Smallville, really, and his dad as well, and and so I was trying to figure all that out and how that made any sense. And of course, it it doesn't really, but it doesn't need to either. Um, so I, if he's going to be there, though, I would want maybe less of a role for Lionel Luther. I don't know. It just felt like there was a lot of Luther uh, in the very beginning of that show, and it would have been nice to kind of build up to more of that. You know what? Yeah. G- I, yeah. Sorry, I, I got to say something. This is like a pet peeve of mine. I kind of hate it when – I mean, for, for lack of better words, this is a prequel, right? This is the early days of uh, the Superman that we all know and love from the comics, but cartoons or movies or whatever, right? I hate when they do in prequels that they establish that kind of that everyone that that character knows (laughs) conveniently revolves around them. You know, (laughs) it's sort of like that Star Wars prequel thing where it's like, Oh yeah, Vader. Well, he made the uh, the droids, and oh, there's Yoda, and well, there, uh, yep, there's a Wookiee there, and that happens to be Chewbacca. It's like th- that's the thing that started bugging me about the show. The Lex Luthor I could live with, but when they started bringing Lois into it, and then Jimmy, and then like Doomsday as a villain, <laughs> and all this crap, right. it's like, why are all these characters? Yeah, no, happening here. I, I agree. Like, why are I, they all here? I liked yeah. that. Um, I liked. I didn't mind Lex Luthor being. At, you know that. Um, and then again, that kind of is a throwback to the old Superboy comic as well, because Lex and Superboy were friends in the old comic, and then eventually became enemies within that. You know, in the in the '60s and stuff. Um, so I, I didn't mind that because it was a callback to that. But yeah, I agree that you know, wow, Lois uh, shows up in four, five, six, something or other, and. And and there's all these characters that become like I mean and it kind of goes with that whole changing of the premise as the show went on too long. Um, I, there was only one of those that I liked though Perry White showing up in season three in a little you know one one episode can or one episode uh, guest starring role I I like that one but the rest of them just sort of uh, you know it's like now the show is Superman now the show is Lois and Clark and not Smallville. But it's like right. there, it's like you're folding continuity backwards, right? It's like why not create some new stuff to the lore? Why do we? Ha- you can do some clever nods to it, like that Perry example that you said. But there's you, you should create 
new history for him versus taking all the characters that you know he's eventually going to be with and placing them there. Exactly. And, and I get what you're saying. And I think it became clear probably around three or four that it, this is not going to, this show is not leading into the movies or the comic or anything like that. This was his own separate alternate universe Superman. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, the, even the Superman comics continuity has never been the bastion of correctness <laughs> that people like to think that it has no, been. No. I mean, he has been retcon more times than any other. I mean, I can't even think of another guy that's been retcon more. So, well, that's that's I, DC I for yeah. you. I mean, that's yeah, and it is, and it really is. And and I didn't, and probably because I'm more of a DC guy, I was fine when I came to the realization that this is this is alternate universe, and you know, just. Where they like, yeah, it, it got a. I totally agree with you, Gijo, on when they, when everyone revol everything you know revolves around the someone. But it it some things of this bothered bothered me, and some of it didn't. So I mean, it was just a flip, a switch I had to flip, where it was like, all right, this is not leading into the movies or anything like that. All right, back to characters real quick. Was there any character role that you feel like was missing? And I'll, I'll throw out my example is that I felt like there, even though we had the Kents on the show as sort of the wise, uh, let's give Clark advice and all of that, I felt like there was actually a missing role in that there was not a good teacher character or a good um, mentor for Clark in helping him learn how to use his powers. So, Again, a throwback to Buffy. There was not a Giles kind of character for Clark, someone who is helping him um, from a from a more mature standpoint, helping him hone his powers and and do the right things. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. I mean, he kind of needed an Obi Wan, you exactly, know, a little yeah, bit, yeah. Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That's a, that's a character he never had, and I you know I don't I didn't really see Jonathan or Martha filling that role. Um, nor did I want them to, but I I think that was something that was missing. Was there anybody else you guys could think of uh, from just a general character standpoint that you'd want to include? Crypto? Did they have a crypto? Did they have a crust? Yeah, that's a good idea. They, did they? Have, did he? Have, did the dog ever show up? Uh, there was there was a super dog episode, and I think it was even called like Crypto or something. But it was one episode. I don't even remember what season it was. It was probably crypto. Kryptonite or something that. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. All right. Well, let's look then at uh, casting um, real quick to go through the list of characters that we're gonna uh, have in here. And and I, you know, I would say overall, I didn't mind most of the casting. Uh, Tom Welling as Clark Kent. Um, I do have a couple of caveats for him, but if he were to stay, but I don't have a problem with him. Anybody else uh, got a problem with Tom Welling? I don't like him, but I couldn't come up with anyone better. I, I'm sure the Google logs of like actors born in 1984 look a little odd with the searching I did over the weekend. But uh, I was doing the same thing. Oh, I'm sure there's some guys in California that are completely flummoxed right now. What the hell are they doing? There's one in I Florida didn't... and one in Illinois. <laughs> I, I am not impressed with Tom Welling and granted he doesn't have a ton of other work outside of Smallville but the things I've seen him in and yes I have seen Cheaper by the Dozen um, <laughs> really not that impressed but like I said I can't come up with anyone else that jumps out at me as being right He's he was serviceable I mean he had that look and it kind of he fit that pretty boy look that they were establishing for or the what I guess was uh, 
hot for the time. I mean, in the sense, this is that Dawson's Creek era, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, a, a Lothario, this guy's not. I mean, and he's also he's not a highly uh, trained stage actor, <laughs> no. I would guess. Uh, he was in Hamlet, though, I think, in uh, southwestern Ontario, Canada. <laughs> yes. But uh, but yeah, he was okay. I mean, I, I I think I could live with him maybe if the writing was improved. But you're right. I can't think of anybody else that could have done it better. I don't know. I um, I mean, I, I don't I, – I think he was better than serviceable. I mean, uh, I agree with you, G. I've seen other stuff that he's done outside of Smallville and no, it was not great. I thought he did pretty good on Smallville. Um it was the writing that was part of the problem, but I mean, he did stuff like I mean, he did the farm boy act pretty good. I mean, uh, he had a couple standout episodes like uh, the Red Kryptonite episode when he became Bad Clark. I mean, I, I thought he did a great job at that. You know, I, I thought he kind of balanced the confident possible Superman at the end to the farm boy in the beginning. I mean, I thought he did it good enough, and I, I really liked him in the show as Clark. Yeah. I I really. I really have no huge problems with him other than I don't think he's that great of an actor overall. I think he came, he came across as stiff and that's again probably part of the part of that was writing. Part of that is the Superman character it is is a tough, you know, that the Clark Kent Superman goody two-shoe kind of character is a hard um role to act because it is so vanilla. Um so I kind of give him a little bit of uh, leeway there. I would I would say that my caveats for him are one um, if I were the producer of the show, I'd want to go ahead and hire him an acting coach if they didn't already, or a better one, and just kind of work on improving him and, and helping him hone his craft. And, and two, there are a lot of rumors, and I don't know if they're true, but that some of the things that that didn't happen on the show, like Clark was supposed to wear glasses on the show, and that didn't happen because Tom Welling didn't want to, or that, as we've already alluded to, in the finale, there is no good shot of him in the suit because Tom Welling didn't want that. And so if those things are true, I'd want it uh, in the contract that those things that, you know, as, as producers, he, wear, he wears glasses if we want him to wear glasses. And that's wow, I can't believe the – okay, listen. After 10 seasons, I guess he feels he has some clout to say, uh, you know, I look fat in these tights. But, dude, at the start of the series, <laughs> you're throwing down, you won't put on glasses. You take the job, man. <laughs> like who the hell was Tom Welling before the show started? Yeah, he did. He did wear glasses in uh, the the last part of season ten. Um, there was a whole Finally. subplot about yeah about Lois <laughs> trying to teach him how to be mild mannered and how to be goofy and um, clumsy, and uh, he, she made him wear glasses towards the end. But there. but see, I think that stuff that should have happened early on. That the yeah, glasses yeah, no, and I, stuff should be like I agree. high school era. Let's establish the mild mannered. Uh, you know, you have powers, but you have to come across as though you don't. And that, that kind of thing I think has to be established first couple seasons for sure. So I believe he was wearing contacts. So <laughs> if that helps, that helps disguise him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're Kryptonian contacts, right? They could be the ones that change the color of your, of your iris. <laughs> in, DC, in DC's metropolis, that's all you need. That's Probably. right. <laughs> all right. Moving on to Lana Lang, Kristen Kruick. Does she stay or go? Packs. I, oh, gee, well, I got to keep her. I'm going to step in and defend her right here. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, I know she's not a good actress, oh. but uh, <laughs> Deidre will will appreciate this. I've had a thing for her going all the way back to the Canadian teen soap opera Edgemont, and so wow. I am going to give Kristen Crook some work. Jesus, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. Wow, I appreciate the throw for the Canadian uh, there for me, but like, 
I do not like this girl. I find her annoying and like squeaky clean Clearasil actress face. I think you she know? did Clearasil commercials. Uh, yeah, so like she just you know, but, uh, yeah, like but she, there, there's that type of girl that does those, like the Hayden Panateras of the world. I just don't like them. If you're cast in a Neutrogena ad, I generally don't like you. And she has that Katie Holmes ness to her, which I I don't know. I found she just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And Lana Lang should be rubbing me in the right way. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, Pax? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like Jeej, do think she's attractive, but I did not like her as Lana. Um, part of it was the writing for the character of Lana, but part of it was, I don't know, she was just kind of bland, just kind of vanilla. I mean, personally, I didn't like her. I say fire her. Oh, <laughs> CT, I was counting on you. Sorry, Jeej. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I want to replace her with Kate Mara, who in 2001 did, uh, was doing television work, so she hadn't become a movie star yet. And I think she would be perfect as Lana Lang. Can is this girl have red hair? Yes, she does have red hair. I know. Come on, people. How hard? What, were they colorblind? These casting agents here. They've got a brunette playing Lana. They got a blonde playing Lois. It's like, <laughs> what the heck is the matter with these guys? <laughs> yeah. I think we've established that it's its own continuity. Oh yes. Let's not pack. <laughs> we don't want packs to go off on that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll just do a couple more. The Kents, we were, were we generally fine with Bo Duke and uh, Annette O'Toole as the Kents? DJ <laughs> already said he had a problem with Bo Duke. Yeah. He probably uh, wants Tom Wopat instead. <laughs> or, or whoever played Koi. <laughs> I actually wanted Ted McGinley is who I wanted. <laughs> but uh, you know what? All jokes aside, I mean, it was, I actually thought it was kind of nice to see John Schneider in that role at the time back uh, when this launched in 2001. I'm like, oh, hey, he's doing something. Good for him. Um, I had no problem with either of these guys. I'm, uh, I mean, they're playing the requisite wholesome parents roles. I mean, they were fine. Jeej? Kents? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I like John Schneider. I like seeing him get work and I don't know, something about uh, – his background or the fact that he is a country singer and whatnot, you know, I thought fit with farm dad in Smallville and at O'Toole, I didn't care for as much, but again, like DJ said, they're just, uh, filling the role of a uh, good, wholesome mom and dad. So I'm fine keeping her too. Cause most of the time, all she's doing is in the kitchen, you know, wa- drying off a dish and looking out a window <laughs> to see when Clark's coming home. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I think nine out of ten shows that's what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, looking I, at Clark lovingly. I, I liked the throwback to her uh, as being the Lana Lang in Superman three. I mean that was a nice touch, but uh, yeah. you know beyond that, I mean I, she she was fine. Like she didn't do a whole lot in in the time that I was watching it. Um, we find Michael Rosenbaum as Lex Luthor. I mean, in my opinion, he was probably the best cast of the show. Any anyone have objections to him? No, I thought he did great. Gee, yeah, I thought he it. was great. All right, was there anybody else that you uh, want to take the opportunity to um, chime in and say needs to be replaced? I mean, I think we already kind of talked about we didn't like the Pete Ross and the Whitney bully characters, so we could we could drop them. Um, uh, it sounded like Dejo had an Allison Mack uh, 
opinion in there. That's right, Chloe. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that character either, probably because of the actress. So I think Dijo and I are in the same boat there with Allison, or not with Allison Mack. So yeah, so I, you I, throw her over and then and bring in what? Could uh, we, Kristen Krulik? Old, no, <laughs> I was going to say, like, how old would Kristen Bell have been at this age? I want to leave her open for Veronica Mars. True, <laughs> true, true. I'm I'm trying to think of another like. I, there was something about that actress that I, I just found a little annoying, but I mean, I guess she maybe fit the role. She was supposed to be that keener sort of high school student and, uh, you know, school newspaper-y, you know, for lack of better words, square. Uh, she was okay. I, there's just something about that girl that uh, I, I just don't like, but I'm, I'm having a hard time filling the void of who that could be. I mean... Who was around at that point? Shannon Doherty? No. <laughs> well, she would Jenny have been Garth. on Charmed, right? It was Charmed <laughs> yeah, yeah. on at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Jeej or Pax, do you guys have opinions on Allison Mack? I like her. Um, I mean, I, I liked her better than Lana. And I like the actress. Jeej? I don't mind her. All right, we'll I can see why she would be annoying, but it uh, doesn't bother me per se. We'll keep her. Otherwise, it's probably going to be one of the Olsen girls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you've got my wheels. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's let's look at just the pilot of the show. And there was, um, we'll briefly take a look at that. Was we feel like that was a good way to introduce the series, launching you know starting off with the uh, um, the meteor shower um, back in the uh, the days of a young Lana and. And Clark being, uh, you know, in the rocket ship as that comes down on Smallville, and then we have the introduction of Clark and Lex, and, and him saving Lex Luthor's life, and we get a little bit of the the angst between him and Lana. Um, do, we, do we feel like that set the stage of the series? Um, Pax, what do you think? Yeah, I thought it set the stage pretty good. I mean, I, I like the idea that the meteor shower kind of was the crux of especially the first season where it um uh, made lex lose his hair it um killed lana's parents i mean it it did a lot of the it set up a lot of the things in the show now much later on they would kind of use that meteor shower as a crutch to do everything and uh they kind of leaned on it a little bit too much and other stuff i think got lost like there was a bit in the first couple episodes where Clark got clumsy around Lana because she was wearing the kryptonite necklace, which I thought was a nice touch, but they didn't really expand on that. And, um, so yeah, I think overall it was great, but I don't, I don't think they were consistent with it. Dijo. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Pax for the most part. I think all the appropriate beats were in that pilot. I think you needed to start with the, the classic iconic, you know, Clark arriving in the spaceship and all of that. And I like the idea of, I, I agree. I like the Lana's parents, pa- uh, perishing as a result of that and setting up the, the Lex dynamic. I, I think for a pilot, it, they, it, it did most things right. Cheech. I'll be the dissenting opinion. I, I and I think it was a good pilot, but I think the way they had the the meteor shower sort of be the cause of like everything, sort of akin to what we were saying about every character rotates around Clark and Smallville. 
it was a bit much. I would have liked to see them be a bit more restrained with that. It would be fine if that was the trigger for more than just Clark arriving, but to have it be, well, you know, it killed this person's parents and this guy is sick because of this and this other thing happened was was a bit much. And I think that's probably really where it started down the path of, well, look, in this meteorite made this kid, you know, be able to levitate and all, all the things that happened with the villain of the week. So I would have liked to seen that toned down a bit. But other than that, I thought, it did a good job. You've got to have the origin story and, um, you know, then pulling the baby out of the spaceship and all that sort of thing. Um, and you know, it, it brought a number of the characters together in an interesting way, but toned down the meteor stuff. Um, I, just as a, far as the pilot goes, I mean, I think overall I didn't have a problem with the pilot itself. I think it did set the stage for things. And I remember, I remember when I originally watched it really liking, liking it. And I think they even showed, episode one and two the same night and I, I really remember liking that first hour and then it was se- the second hour that I was a little concerned I started getting concerned with the show and, I, and it was just can they deliver on it and I think Eva Pax alluded to that with certain things that they set up like the kryptonite necklace they already were starting to drop very early on in the series um, so they you know they didn't really stay true to what that pilot was uh, in certain ways um, so moving on, um, do we want to talk about the showrunners any, I mean, how do you guys have thoughts about the, uh, Guff Millar, uh, combo? Do you feel like they were the, the right choice for this show or was there a better choice? Uh, Dijo, do you, you're pretty good with, uh, behind the scenes stuff. Do you have any opinions on them? Um, you know, I, I applaud these guys for, uh, grabbing this source material and trying to do a reinterpretation of it. Um, Maybe the whole writing staff uh, could have used a little bit of work. I mean, I would have loved to have seen, and granted, it gets hard to say this because then you're like, oh, we don't get get Buffy if I say Joss Whedon should be involved in this. But someone with the 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 style of Joss Whedon it would have kind of fit this perfectly. It needs to be someone that likes the comic but doesn't have to be uh, handcuffed to it, you know, and I think Whedon has that sort of uh, comic book acumen, but he is also can write some snappy dialogue and interesting characters. So hopefully he could uh, he could have managed three shows around this time <laughs> and at least uh, and just at least been involved and, and been able to hire the writing room. I think he would have been maybe a better choice. Yeah, I, I thought of, I was thinking about like Joss Whedon initially and myself, but then gravitated away from that and wondered if there was uh, somebody else like a Tim Minear or a um, uh, you know one of the other producers of Buffy or somebody like that who could take on the show um, and and be the producers of it, but would have the you know be, have been under the tutelage of Joss Whedon, but not be Joss Whedon himself. But ultimately, I. Um, I actually thought, throwing back to Veronica Mars, that Rob Thomas, who produced that show, would have been a very good producer of this show because I think that Rob Thomas did a great job of really setting the stage of the town of um, of uh, the <laughs> what town was she living in? She lived in. Uh, she was in Gotham City, she was right? In Gotham City. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Neptune, the town of Neptune. I'm fine that it was a planet, of course. Uh, she, so he set the stage. Of, you know, the, the town itself had a texture. The high school had a texture and a feel and a, and a character and a personality. 
Um, so even though that might have meant no Veronica Mars, I think he would have been a great choice to run the show. Uh, Pax or Jeej, you guys have any thoughts on it? Um, I thought, I mean, I was fine with the creators. I mean, they did a pretty good job. I mean, this was a reworked um, idea about Batman. So, I mean, I, I, I thought they did they did something interesting with it. And overall, there was more good than there was bad. Um, so I, I most of all would say they were fine, but ZT, you brought up a good point. <laughs> I thought Tim Minear would have been a fantastic showrunner for this. I would have loved to have seen his Smallville. Jeej? I think, yeah, the Whedon tree was the obvious one. That's what came to my mind. I sort of surprised that um, Go and Millar actually had had this show. If you look at their producing credits, it's just bizarre that they ended up <laughs> with this. Like, you know, they're working on martial law and, <laughs> and some other weird shows, and then they somehow end up with a 10-year run on a Superman show. It's just weird. All right. So who knows? There could have been somebody producing, you know, uh, you know, trying to re- relaunch Growing Pains or something. They could have been the right people. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, we'll do the uh, relaunch of Growing Pains episode some other week, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> save, save that for episode book. 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I, what I want to move into is um, just sort of a catch-all car- uh, category of other stuff and, and some things we want to keep from the show and some things we want to uh, get rid of from the show. And this will be a uh, just sort of a hodgepodge of stuff that, as you guys thought of things, what, what came to mind that you might want to keep and maybe you didn't have anything, but Pax, I know you, uh, you actually like the show better probably than the others. So what are, what are some things just generally speaking, you would want to keep on the show? I really liked one of the things I think I really liked, uh, especially in the later episodes was the stunt casting they did for like, um, bringing in, uh, heroes and like Perry you brought up was a great, uh, bit of stunt casting and uh one i was just thinking of off the top of my head right now the one of the, in the last season they did an episode with booster gold which is a great character to bring in but i didn't like the guy they brought in so i would have liked someone like greg kinnear you know his captain amazing and <laughs> mystery man it was if that was booster gold so that would have been awesome so i, I would have liked i would like to have seen more of the stunt casting and just kind of fun little nods like that that they did a lot of especially in the last three seasons Okay. Uh, Jeej, did you have anything that you would keep from the show in general? or I would keep the theme music. I know it got uh, <laughs> lambasted as much as Kristen Kruk, but I'm going to go out on the limb and say, let's keep that too. I am with you on that. I actually did not mind that song. Um, I li- I, oh, man. What? I liken it to like Star Trek Enterprise, man. It exactly. Is, That's oh, exactly it what it comes like. No. Awful. It is awful. <laughs> well, sorry, uh, host. Uh, Vote counts as two, so uh. <laughs> you're, pull, you're pulling rank on that one. Huh? And dear Remy Zero, you can, you can send the check to uh, CT and I. Yes, <laughs> podcast. I, I don't think Remy Zero is a group anymore, but uh, ah. <laughs> too soon. Um. Okay, DJ, did you have anything uh, besides the theme song that you would want to uh, keep from the show? I, I did like the addition of. Uh, Kara, the super Supergirl. I think that is something that they played right, and in, in, in a way, in terms of her arrival, like that's not something that should have happened in season one. But I think that's something that's pivotal, and it's a good, um, you know, the kids are all growing up. We got to add another kid to the show, like a, a little cousin to the show. That, that I mean, all shows when they cousin, last a cousin long Oliver. Time. 
<laughs> yeah, the, she's the perfect cousin Oliver, but it fits the 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 language of the show. I think that Supergirl showing up and maybe being different than Clark and knowing that he wasn't alone, blah 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 blah. Plus, the actress is very easy on the eyes. So I, I would say keep Supergirl somewhere in the series. Wasn't but that actress in a Neutrogena commercial? I thought. No, no, you're thinking of a shampoo ad. I'm all I'm fine with shampoo ads. <laughs> of course. Uh, well, now that we've got that straight. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, the theme, the theme song was going to be what I would bring up. I also I did like um, some of the aesthetics and the look of the show and the you know the farmhouse and the uh, all that all that stuff I was fine with. So just generally speaking, I would keep. I would it was well produced. Yeah, the show for the time. I mean, it was a pr- it looked a- as good as a CWWB type show could look. It, like I don't really have much complaints in terms of the visual style and or the CGI work really. Yeah. I mean, for, for a television show of the time and, and even, um, uh, well, even up to, to, to just recently, I mean, it, it did look pretty good for what it was. I think, I think there probably could have been some things they could have done to, to improve upon some of that, uh, give it some more texture and space. Like I was saying, give the town some more personality. Um, I think shooting up in, uh, wherever they shot, I guess they shot up in Vancouver and not being in a, um, uh, probably having lots of sets rather than, um, a, an actual town where they're filming on location. Maybe, maybe that's something that could, they could have changed to improve it. But, but overall I had no real complaints, uh, in regards to that, uh, to change, um, geez, what are some things just generally speaking, you might change on the show? I would get rid of the talon because I am just so sick of the <laughs> coffee house hangout thing where everything happens in the show. Amen. I just am so sick of that. Get rid of that. Like, do something else. Agreed. Anything else from you, Jeej? Um, I mean, just in general, I would have sort of a different story arc. I mean, and and maybe no one would watch, but I would. I would want a slower burn overall and sort of, um, you know, if we're going to eventually get to the, the promised land where Pax is enjoying seeing booster gold and green arrow show up. Um, <laughs> I would rather grow into that more than rather make that break turn at, at season four or five where all that stuff just starts coming out of the woodwork. I, I agree completely. Uh, I, I felt like it's, someone got their hands in the show and it became sort of a DC entertainment experiment around like the fourth or fifth season. Uh, I, I agree. I, I think the slow burn and really looking into the maturing of Clark, it would have served it better. I mean, I know uh, like, I think eventually you need to get him to be that Superboy Superman character, but it happened really abruptly where all of a sudden Hawkman is on the friggin' show, you know, like he was on the basketball team, wasn't he? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he took Lana to the prom. I can't remember. He, um, yeah, it almost seemed like the show became a, uh, way to try and set up spinoffs. And I think they even tried that with Aquaman is that, uh, there was going to be that Mercy reef Aquaman spinoff that starred the guy who played green arrow, um, so I think there was a little bit of that going on where like, let's, let's start throwing characters in and see who resonates with the audience and see what other shows we can get out of this. Um, and that I think always takes away from the show itself. 
Uh, Pax, what about you? What What are some things that uh, you would change? Um, I, I definitely want uh, better writing. I mean, I, I agree with Jeej and Deja. The, the abrupt turn at season five, I mean, it was abrupt. and I mean, it was almost like two different shows. But I enjoyed the wackiness of the last few seasons. But it did feel like, it, I mean, it was totally rushed. I mean, watching the last season uh, recently, it was like... I mean, even the finale, the first the first hour of the finale was great. And then it just all of a sudden rushed to end everything. And then you're at the end and you didn't get the clear shot of Clark. And I agree with there, there needed to be more of a slow build and better writing to get us there um, to make the show that much better. I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was, but it could have been a lot better. Yeah, uh, I agree with with that. I agree with a lot of these things, you know, the talent and stuff. Um, a couple of my suggestions would be uh, glasses. I thought it was absolutely <laughs> absurd that he was not wearing glasses because, especially by the by year ten, you know, yeah, he starts wearing glasses in season ten. But but how does anyone not get that Superman is Clark Kent? I, I mean, I just there's no there's no explanation for that i cannot figure that out like he has to have started wearing glasses earlier for that to even possibly make sense because it doesn't really make sense anyway that's just that's a huge thing for me um the kryptonian mythology i think could have been cleaned up a lot there was a lot of like zod is your dad no wait your dad is your is evil no wait it's not that's not the case i mean there was a lot of confusion about that and i and i thought tying some of that into the uh, Native Americans stuff and the, you know, the, the Kryptonians have been here before and all of that. Just, re- I really hated that. And yeah, they were all over the map with that. I agree. <clears throat> and then a couple of other things was, even though we said the slow burn on the uh, JLA, JSA and all of those guys, I would like to have seen the Legion of superheroes appear earlier. I did like <clears throat> the idea of them showing up as a throwback to the, um, the old Superboy comics so I would have had no problem with them earlier in the series. And uh, I know they tried, and so I don't really fault them for this, but I would love to have seen a Bruce Wayne appearance on the show. I'm almost surprised they didn't pull the trigger on that. I mean, for, I mean you've got everybody else. I mean, I'm, I, 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 I was waiting for the, you know, the Bruce Wayne appearance, but yeah, I, that, that one's a little surprising. Yeah, that's, that's the one to me that meant more than any of the others. I mean, Green Arrow almost doesn't make sense that Green Arrow was like the, the co-star of the show. I mean, yeah. in the comics, Su- uh, Superman and Green Arrow really have no real relationship. Have, have they ever talked? I mean, <laughs> they, they've never been in a panel together. I think, I think like in Crisis on Infinite Earths, they shared a panel, but that was, you know, like a George Perez spread where everybody's oh. in the panel. You know? Yeah, the co- Yeah, the cover. <laughs> All right, any final thoughts about um, Smallville before I do the recap? Lionel should probably get a different haircut. <laughs> yeah, that's a power mullet. That, that mullet, I mean, I see him more like a, uh, a John Hamm, like classic, like bomb haircut. Like the, the, the friggin' the, the, the master blaster that he was rocking in this thing <laughs> was just, wow, it was bad. <laughs> All right, I will add that to the list. <laughs> That's right. Haircuts for the entire cast before we begin shooting. <laughs> okay, so 
Here's our redo of Smallville, um, the entire series. We're going to uh, we're going to keep the premise of a young Clark Kent growing up and maturing in Smallville. We like the idea of him being in high school. We're going to uh, to stick with that. But what we're going to get rid of is the Kryptonian freak of the week premise. And uh, and and if it does happen, it's not going to be a week weekly occurrence. I mean, it might happen from time to time, but it, it's it's going to be done in a creative way with better writing. And you'll see that I'll say better writing quite a bit. Uh, we're going to allow there to be simpler villains, so bank robbers or uh, things like that that might occur, and we might have a focus on high school itself rather than some of the grandiose stories that they tried to do. We will keep no flights, no tights, uh, but if the show does, uh, if our version of the show were to continue past four years, that's something we would reevaluate. As a whole, we're going to uh, keep uh, the characters that were on the show, Clark, Lana, Chloe, the Kents, Lex Luthor. Uh, but we're going to possibly dump Pete Ross, um, or we might keep that sort of friendship role on there, but he would be recast. We would also uh, want to keep a bully kind of character on the show, but recast him as well, and be open to a uh, mentor-type character for Clark as well. Um, as a whole, we are fine with the cast, but Lana Lang, despite uh, one dissenting opinion, we are going to recast. And the only suggestion was Kate Mara, who uh, would be much better than Kristen Kruick. Sorry, Jeej. You'll pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, we thought the pilot as a whole kind of worked for the most part, but so- certain things that they set up needed to um, uh, be carried on, carried through later, such as the kryptonite necklace that Lana had, uh, that was quickly dropped. Uh, Other things like Whitney's relationship with Clark was never really uh, carried out as well. So a better, stronger bully character uh, coming out of the pilot would have been something that uh, would be uh, better to keep as well. Showrunners-wise, we don't really know how Guff and Millar got the show, but uh, we would be open to somebody like a Tim Minear or even a Rob Thomas who produced Veronica Mars. Um, we're we're just going to look at some other things real quick. We're, we uh, sort of like the stunt casting that happened later on in the show, so the other heroes that showed on the showed up on the show, but we'd want to see that happen uh, more slowly. Uh, so maybe a, an appearance from Legion of Superheroes early. But, but not have this sudden uh, just uh, avalanche of superheroes that show up from week to week. Um, the theme song, half of us liked, liked the theme song and half of us didn't. Uh, so we'll see about that. Uh, the uh, setting overall we liked. Um, and uh, uh, as far as the production value, uh, we have no huge complaints about that. But we are going to get rid of the Talon. We're going to force Tom Welling to wear glasses. Sorry, Mr. Welling, but it's going to happen. We're going to clean up the Kryptonian mythology, and as a whole, we're going to introduce better writing. And we're going to make uh, John Glover, who played Lionel Luthor, get a different haircut. Amen. All right. (laughs) That is our redo of Smallville. And just before we move on, where do we see our show going? Do we like the idea of it only lasting four years and we end on a uh, a shot of Tom Welling in the suit. Uh, do we do we like do we do we want to do it that way, or or do we have any other ideas for where our show would go? Pax, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I like the idea of it continuing on. I mean, we, it could if it does, and it goes into the Metropolis. It could be kind of like the Adventures of Lois and Clark 
kind of that. That's kind of what it tried. Smallville tried to do anyway. But I, I like the idea of it moving on. But um, it it doesn't have to. All right, Jeech. It's tough. I think my gut reaction would be, yeah, try and set it up right so you can move it on. But as we talked about, that is a difficult transition, and so it it may be asking for trouble. DJ. Um, I. I don't know why, but with TV series, six or seven seasons always seems like the magic number to me. I think shows that last 10, 12 plus years have to have almost like a formula, unfortunately. They have to be like cop procedural dramas and things like that. It's hard to have heavy mythology type programs extend that long. So I'm going to say seven seasons. Seven seasons. Okay. All right. Well, I think uh, I think I like this uh, version of Smallville better. So uh, we'll we'll build a time machine and we'll go back and make it happen. Sound good? Already in progress. Try. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, let's move on to our nerd to dos, and let's let our guest go first, Mr. DiGiovanni. Well, I have I have a couple nerd to do's. Uh, first off, I gotta start watching. I'm very watching. To, I watching anything now is hard for me. I have a young daughter, but television's particularly tough. I I, I got a, a kick out of Jig saying on uh, your last show or two shows ago that it's like taking him like three years to watch two seasons of Angel <laughs> or something. Like uh, I, I'm right there with you, buddy. Uh, but I gotta get into Breaking Bad. I got to start watching it. It's on Netflix. Uh, I made it my uh, 2012 resolution, and I've not cracked an episode yet. So I got to get in on that. And the other thing is too is I just I have all of the collected versions, special editions, I believe, of all of DC Comics Crisis books, and some are better than others. That's Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis, and then Final Crisis. And they're sitting on my bookshelf, and I kind of promised myself I was going to read those kind of consecutively, but haven't started that yet. So those are things I got to do and do quickly. Do those uh, crisis, I don't think I've read uh, any of Final Crisis and maybe just a little bit of Infinite Crisis, but do they actually connect to Crisis on Infinite Earths? Uh, Infinite Crisis does big time. It's a legit sequel. Uh, I won't spoil anything, but it picks up story threads uh, from Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, so it is a direct sequel. A, a lot is referenced. Final Crisis is a little bo- more in tone. Uh, the, the monitors are, are, are in that. That's, the, if you remember, the original Crisis. But beyond that, other than it involving multiple Earths at, at a given point, it's, it's a little less so than Infinite Crisis. Gotcha. All right, Pax. Uh, yes, I have a couple. Um, I'm getting ready to start uh, Wizard of Oz book two for my continuing uh, adventure of reading the original Bomb Oz books. So I'm going to hopefully start book two here in a day or two. And this weekend, I will, Friday or Saturday, I'm not sure which one, I'll be going to see uh, Star Wars Episode One in 3D. Um, uh, getting tough for me to get out to the theater but i'm making a date for this one so hopefully i'll get to see that this weekend and uh that's about it jeej 
Well, I'll be waiting for Kristen Crook to come over to my house and listen to my Remy Zero CD with me. But uh, <laughs> until that happens, uh, I am uh, going to be working on a couple uh, to-dos related to the Schlock Treatment, which is a site and podcast that CT mentioned. Um, the first is to check out some of the episodes of, uh, of the podcast where they, they break down some, some terrible-looking movies, many of which I've seen, of course. Um, and the second to do related to that is I am going to track down one movie that they covered for uh, my upcoming Weekend with the Guys that I have planned where we will watch a whole bunch of garbage. And uh, the one I'll be looking for is Hercules Against Karate, which is a <laughs> 1973 Italian joint. Uh, which I guess involves Hercules and karate, but it looks terrible and right up my alley. So I'm going to be seeing how I can procure myself a copy of Hercules against karate. That is the most amazing title for a movie I've ever heard. Classic film jerks. There you go. It really is. I saw that title and uh, was my curiosity was piqued as well. So I'll be anxious to hear what happens with that one. Well, it seems I could find it anywhere, but we'll see. All right, well, uh, my to-do is actually just a report on a previous to-do, and I'm not going to add anything to my to-do list this week, but I just want to uh, mention the Buck Rogers television series that I said I was I was watching and I was trying to finish up, and I finally finished it up. Uh, it is uh, really bad and uh, <laughs> really schlocky, to use a uh, previous term. Uh, the first season is uh, lots of... Uh, um, it is really schlocky. The second season is a lot more like a really bad classic Star Trek, which I found I liked. <laughs> like I liked that second season, even though it wasn't that good. But um, uh, there was a new character on that show in the second season. They introduced his name was Hawk, and uh, I actually quite liked him. So uh, he was um, a good addition. So, uh, anyways, I am done with Buck Rogers. Finally. <laughs> All right, so that is going to do it for this episode of Nerd Lunch, episode 25. I think uh, I think that was a really good 25th episode, guys. Thanks a lot. Uh, thank you, Mr. DiGiovanni, for joining us on this, uh, this show. Uh, why don't you tell everybody about where we can find you on the Internet? Well, you can find uh, The Atomic Geeks, my podcast, at www.theatomicgeeks.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Facebook, The Atomic Geeks. Twitter is uh, we're The Atomic Geeks. Uh, as well, I also have a second podcast, which is a part of that Atomic Geeks podcasting network that Nerd Lunch is also a part of. And it's called Classic Film Jerks. So check that out as well. Um, that's where we review uh, old classic movies and see if they are actually indeed classics. And that's at ClassicFilmJerks.com and on Twitter at ClassicFilmJerk. Thank you very much. Uh, Paxton, where can we find you on the internet? Um, I can be, my blog can be found at cavalcadeofawesome.net and I can be found on the Twitter at Paxton Holly, P-A-X-T-O-N-H-O-L-L-E-Y. And Jeej, are you on the Twitter? I am on the Twitter. You can find me at NerdLunchJeej. Juliet Echo Echo Golf is how you spell Jeej. NerdLunchJeej. All right, and uh, I am on Twitter, just at NerdLunch, and you can find uh, Jeej and I on the blog at NerdLunch.net, and we write things on uh, the blog there about things we do, things we like, things we eat, and stuff like that. NerdLunch is on Facebook and Google+, so if you're on there as well, feel free to like us and plus us. 
We are a part of the Atomic Geeks podcasting network, and uh, uh, one of the podcasts, as previously mentioned, is the Atomic Geeks. And we, uh, if you are a longtime listener, you know we like to do little promos. And since we have an Atomic Geek with us, Mr. DiGiovanni, would you like to tell us what's happening on your next week's episode? Yes, cue the music. Uh, coming up next on the Atomic Geeks podcast, we're going to be talking about how does one get geek cred? Find it on iTunes or at theatomicgeeks.com. Awesome. And then you also have an episode of the Classic Film Jerks coming up soon as well? That's right. Uh, it should be on iTunes as we speak. We review The Bridge on the River Kwai. Sounds great. Uh, so you mentioned iTunes, and all three of these podcasts are on iTunes. We love it. If you get your podcasts from iTunes to leave us all little reviews telling us how much you love the show and telling other people that they should click subscribe and listen themselves. And uh, we'd, we'd, we'd love it. So please do that. And I think that will do it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, kapla. This has been Nerd Lunch, a part of the Atomic Geeks Podcasting Network. Nerd Lunch theme by Rick Jackson. Music by Flannelhorn. Please place all trash in the receptacle. Thank you. Welcome back to the Atomic Geeks podcast. This is episode 25. We have a die cut cover tonight. My name is Michael DiGiovanni. I'm going to be your host this week, and I'm drinking a giant bottle of Alora Extra Special Bitter. Now let's see what other Kryptonian criminals we have in the Phantom Zone.